Welcome to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode number thirty-four, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Very well, very well. How are you? Very good, very well. Nice Easter break. Yes, refreshed and ready to pod. I mean, I, I, I could say what you said, Simon, that we've seen each other since the last podcast, haven't we? Yes, we have. We have. It was nice, wasn't it? Well, it was a brilliant day. I, it was. The, the Very amount, good idea. The amount of people I've, I've told what we what I, we actually did, they were like, why is why have, we, why have people not been doing that earlier during the lockdown? Well, it's, it's a, so uh, some people know we did a bit of a, we walked along River Irwell and we stopped off at off-licenses along the way to do like an off-license crawl. And every time I tell people that we've done this, they always respond in the same like they're just kind of half listening to my story because it's not, you know, I think I don't think it starts that well. Just me and some friends went for a walk. But you throw in the off-license thing and then there's this sudden moment they hear that and their faces really light up. No, wow. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. Well, I was, my, when I saw my, um, I saw my mum and dad the next day, was it the next day or maybe the day after that? And they were saying, how, how, how was it all? I said, yeah, it was good. I said, like, it was surprising because the first place we stopped off at, Cuckoo, Obviously, it said it was illegal to serve you takeaway pints, which was our, which was the start of the plan, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then, what are what fascinated me about this whole that's illegal was the fact that you could then literally walk over the road to Alder, <laughs> stock up on as many bottles as you wanted, and drink in the street. Well, I mean, you, I mean walk over to Aldi, and in your case, a short forty-five minutes later, came up, come out with a short forty-five <laughs> bottles. Full, of beer, yeah. Uh, full full shop layer. Ross comes out, <laughs> takes, takes, brings a full shop on the walk. You know when you you know when you pick a lane and you think this one's going to be the quick one, and then you stand in it and you quickly realise that's not the case when four other people are standing the other. But you can't do anything then, are you? Because you've got someone in front of you, someone behind you. You can't. Yeah. Nothing goes. Not like, like especially when you know when you leave, you'll be able to open the beers that you're about to buy and, probably, and, and you'll be walking, drinking for the most of the afternoon. But... Well, I knew. So as soon as I picked up the drinks and went out to another checkout, that that one would start moving quickly. I thought, it's sod's law, isn't it? It's just going to happen. So. Yeah. yeah, but no, it's good. We, what, what was the final mileage, Simon? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm always scared to click off this page in case I can't get back onto I'm it. Sure you, it was, was it around 11 and a half? I'm sure that no, was it was like 13, wasn't it? Was it? Well, it, maybe I'm. It, I don't know. It's a long goal. I think you. I think, yeah, you. De- I think you definitely said we got to 11 at least. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very good day. And again, very possible. Even when the pubs are open, very possible for us to do. Yeah. Well, well you know, one of my favourite parts about the whole thing, apart from finding little beauty spots around the area that you live in, which you don't know about. Was the uh, basically how you could get quite drunk for so cheap and be in the middle of Manchester? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 dro- we Manchester and start drinking. It's a hundred pound gone straight away. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's um, twenty quid later with a taxi home and a takeaway. It's not so bad, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, did, I saw something the other day on social media. It was like it's going to be a rude awakening when uh, we all return to pubs and we deter- we find out what a single and a double actually are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the amount of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after we've spent a year at home pouring our own whiskey and coats. 
Yeah. That's a good thing. Not too bothered about not too bothered about how you dress up, but more you need to take an umbrella with you now. You're going to the pub because you'll be sat outside <laughs> rain for the next Simon, can I ask? Obviously it was Easter since we've last been on. You <clears throat> get given chocolate spreads instead of chocolate eggs. <laughs> no, I've not had a, I've not had a new chocolate spread since actually. I've had quite a few chocolate eggs, but um but no chocolate spread. So I um yeah, it's a time of change for me. So yeah. <laughs> No chocolate eggs. No, quite a few chocolate eggs. Oh. No chocolate spreads, yeah. Well, there you go. Eggs not spreads. That's been my motto over the Easter period. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's a nice idea for, for anyone listening. Yeah, next year, get me in. I'd be all for it. That's what, that's what you need. You need an egg in it, but then you need a sachet of spread or a little, a little uh, jar of spread in it instead. I must be honest, we have got... A cupboard rammed full of chocolate spreads. It's kind of got a bit of it. Because I think the trouble is, in a way, what I like doing, really, is trying new chocolate spreads. Day to day, I'm not getting through that much chocolate spread. Well, <laughs> you say this. Maybe a gap in the market. You know what? You buy them tiny little jam pots. Yes. Yeah. Why don't they do tiny little chocolate spread pots? That is exactly what I need. There's a gap in the market. Yeah, because I do just really just need the taster, the taster pot. So, I mean, to be fair, Simon's got that much chocolate spread in his, in his cupboard. He could start spinning it out, putting it into little ones and just start selling it straight on eBay. <laughs> Open up an Etsy shop. It'd pay for, it, it'd pay for itself. <laughs> well, that, that, uh, that might be what turns. I can't see DIY taking off because I had to remove a radiator then. It was a real faff. And... Uh, Oh, radiators Did you? Yeah. And then I tried. So I tried to do the thing. You, you got to like turn the water off on the side. Yeah. So one side you just spin it round to zero, but the other side didn't have a. So I'd like a little bit that was sticking out. You had to like get the pliers and twist it. Oh and I twisted yeah. it, and the little bit just came out of my hand. <laughs> it went in the plier, and the thing stayed still. So it was just locked on on. Some water was pouring out of it. But yeah, I had to buy like this plug type thing that to put in the end of it. So, so that was your so cheese it. How many Easter eggs did you get just getting back onto the chocolate theme? Um, so, uh, well, not about two and a, about two and a half. So, um, we only we generally tend not to get eggs off my mum anymore. Um, so we we bought ourselves some eggs a few weeks ago, uh, and then we kind of accumulated. Um, some of the kids, the kids got. Like the bigger eggs than normal, so we kind of we took one of the eggs, one of those the bigger eggs off the off the kids, and we kind of we kind of shared one of the eggs. So, you know, a bigger egg, smaller egg, and then the kids have got quite a bit of chocolate this year, probably twice as much as they got last year. So, um, um, so we stole one of them. But it was obviously the big Easter egg shortage of uh, of twenty twenty one that you couldn't really buy normally. But you get to Easter Monday and there's you can pick up an Easter egg for about fifty p, whereas Good Friday morning, you couldn't you couldn't buy eggs for uh, for loving one. They were all sold out. Wow, so if man. you got if you got eggs this year, if you got more eggs this year, then you were incredibly lucky. Well, I didn't get any eggs. Zero. Zero. I thought I thought you said wow. you got you got eggs. No, I bought I bought them. Well, I bought my own. But I didn't get gifted any. Oh, I see. So and the kids didn't really get gifted any. Well, they had an Easter egg hunt actually. The grandparents of uh, on the Saturday. 
So they had that. No. But then it's, in some ways, I'm quite pleased because then you've got a rash in the chocolate. Yeah. Which so if you then could... just gets arguments. And... So if you, could, if you could only have one Easter egg, which Easter egg would you have? Well, I'll tell you my favourite thing about Easter on the, the confectionery side of it is the uh, mini egg nest cakes. Oh, yeah, they are quite nice, though. I think they're the things that I always look forward to the most. The rest of it, I'm not really that bothered about. It used to be cream eggs. But I'm not bothered about them anymore. Why, what about you? Yeah, I've hardly had any cream eggs this year, to be fair. It's really... uh... Well, I had a cream egg. I had McDonald's at dinner time, so I had a cream egg McFlurry, which obviously wasn't the same, but that's as close as I've come to one for years. I just find them really sickly now. Maybe I'm getting too old. Did you see there was a, it was like, I think it was on Twitter, there was like someone had sort of worked out how much sugar is in a cream egg, which is obviously an obscene amount. And just loads of people were quote retweeting in a, yeah, obviously it's bad for your health. Like, this isn't really news. <laughs> like, no one's gone, oh no, what? It's really, it's got lots of sugar in it. I, like, I didn't yeah. ever really. The uh, that that kind of ties in with there was I was watching uh, there was they were replaying I think the Dragons Den from Sunday tonight and there were two guys on there trying to um, sell beer as being healthy. There's some guy on a on a on a on an exercise bike and then they kind of they were then trying to sell this lager at the same time as though it was this healthy craft lager that was only half the calories of normal lager. I was like, yeah, but it's not like it's healthy. Like some, you're not going to have a guy on a uh, an exercise bike that's going to start going hell for leather and then get off and then start going hammering the, the ale that's right next to him that's still still got alcohol in it. He said, it's just crazy. He said, it's not good for me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randomly, when I was uh, when I was in Australia, there's there was this blink, uh, this beer called Blonde that was like this low-calorie lager and it was kind of marketed at women, mainly. But I remember at the time thinking, oh, this is, this is a good idea. This should really take off. You know, it never has done. There was lots of no. Peter, um, Peter, Peter Jones wasn't interested. Was it Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Is it was it Mitchell or was that the first one? A joke, over here, Joey Holt's pubs used to sell one. A light, a light beer. But so, was it you guys? I don't know if it's only Belinda or talked to about this. That Joey Holt's have taken over that Turk's Head pub in town, which is nice. They're not, are they? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That one oh, in the northern oh, pub. That's a disaster. Are you not happy about that? No, I'm not a big fan of Joey Holtz. I mean, their their ale's all right, but I don't like the lager. So I'm not... I feel like you've spent your most of your life in, <laughs> in, in those pubs. I thought you'd be a fully on No, board. I like the Turks Head the way it is. Turks Head is one of my favourite pubs in Manchester. Well, yeah, I, I agree. It's, great. it's a really good pub. but and I like... Need an alternative to the norm. Yeah. Uh... Exactly. Can't, can't have too much of a of an ale, can you? Oh, that's disappointing. No, well, it turns what? out we won't be going there then. Straight, <laughs> straight, straight, straight to the able A what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I it's got to the point now, I can't remember any place in town, really. No, well, we, we we probably should have started in town maybe on that Saturday. <laughs> yeah, might have been a plan rather than finish there. Maybe next time. Yeah, I mean, granted, there's very there's much more concentrated. There's much more concentration of off licenses walking around Manchester. That could be it. could be a, a tricky move, and then decide to start walking down rivers. 
But then we'll be quite a few drinks in when we get to the kind of Salford section of the River Irwell. Yeah. You mean cheesy? Co- you mean you mean cheesy corner? <laughs> yeah, cheesy corner. Yeah, but you probably won't have your wits about you when <laughs> when you when you're passing car doors in the River Irwell. Yeah. You know what? I, I my one regret now. Looking back at that, is is at the time opening the emergency beers sat on that corner seemed like a sensible move. But I look back and think we could have kept the emergency beers for an emergency another day. <laughs> as, well, as thirty seconds down the road, there was an off license with a fridge that probably would have sold nice, nice cold, not shook up beer. <laughs> I think. I think we were in a bit of a daze then, weren't we? We were just we could have been anywhere yeah. in the world at that point. Well, I, I got so much in a daze. You you opened the emergency beer side and then I opened my emergency salt and vinegar crisp as well. <laughs> I just went into full panic mode and thought, well, time's a tough now. And so yeah. I mean it's not a real regret of mine, but I think was the sensible thing for us to have encouraged that lad not to climb up those stairs on the oh, outside. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of kind of cheering him on as he risked life for no, no reason, I, 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 I remember I shouted, "There's just some stairs on the other side," and he didn't listen. So my <laughs> conscience is clear. <laughs> the the alcoholic's entertainment for the day was a man risking life for a limb, trying to climb up the outside of a staircase when there was perfectly good stairs on the inside. I mean, the other thing what got me is when we tried to basically. I wouldn't say break into the building site, but make our way round the building. Scale round. <laughs> when, we, when, we went, when, we, when we were convinced there was a shortcut. <laughs> I mean, when you think a boarded off bridge is ever a sensible thing to go over. <laughs> <laughs> the fun of being, I don't know how many bottles in. Yeah. So what we're we talking about this week, Cheezer? Uh, so we will um, start with England. So England obviously had three um, World Cup qualifying games last week. Uh, so we'll catch up with those. Um, it kindly leads us into a lot of discussion this week about uh, just what the squad will be for the, for the Euros come the summer. So we'll touch on that. And then we will discuss weeks. Um, so Liverpool and United both played at the weekend, both played this week and have both played in Europe. So we will kind of touch on that. Um, and then if we've got time, we will fit... Um, maybe a smattering of other bits and pieces in there as well. Um, but if we are an hour and a half deep um, when we finish the football, then that probably might be the only thing that we talk about tonight. So we'll have a break. Uh, we'll come back and we will talk all things England and Gareth Southgate. Welcome back to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast. And we will start um, with England, who had played uh, three qualifying games um, for the World Cup in Qatar next winter, I believe it is, next winter. Um, and uh, the big debate before um, um, the games were, was the squad, um, England's wealth of right-backs, um, and somebody had to be left out, and that person was um, was Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, so, have you done this again, Cheezer? Did we not? Did we have it? Before the general state, we'll talk about England and leave Trent till the end, so that'll lead us nice oh, Because I've got, because I've got England and Trent. Sorry, and I realised we've just talked, <laughs> we've just talked about the results. 
That was just my train of thought. Apologies, apologies. We won't talk about Trent. We'll leave Trent till the end. We'll talk about the end. It's becoming a theme now, this, isn't it? We just need we just need no production. Just think, just don't talk to me about production. Just you 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 say you tell me what you want to talk about, and I'll just and I'll just listen. I mean, I don't. Uh, I think, think you want to get onto that disaster of a of a match last night as quickly as you did. Yeah. Like this, but oh, no, really um, so we won't talk about that. So the, the first game of the week, Soros play San Marino. I believe was on the Wednesday, um, and which was very much an easy game. We won. Five um, nil. Then we played Albania at the weekend, and then in midweek, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, England made it quite difficult for themselves. But um, good old Harry Maguire was there five minutes from time um, to, to smash the ball into the net, and we uh, got nine points from uh, three games, uh, 100% record, and, and we are kind of on our way um, to the um, hopefully eventual qualification. Um, so, any surprises in the games? Um, was there any real surprises in um, team selection? Um, I know we talked quite a lot about when we were on last time about um, we pretty much were certain that Henderson would get picked again ahead of Pope, um, at least for one of the games, and uh, Pope started all three. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't have much to do, but he did look a bit bad at passing the ball out from the back, and it, it does seem like we're in a situation where Pope's really good at saving... <coughs> the ball but not great at passing Pickford's really good at passing but not great at making saves and Henderson is probably the person that's good at making saves and good at passing but is in danger of not playing any games between now and the end of the season now, uh, randomly as it happens it now looks like Henderson may well be Manchester United's first choice for the rest of the season I, I'd be intrigued to know if Gareth Southgate had known that beforehand if that might have affected his uh, his selection but I suppose he's kind of he's sort of nailed his course to the mass that, that Pope will be at least his second choice uh, going forward. Yeah, I think that was the big shock because I think we were we were pretty convinced it would be uh, Henderson, and we like we spoke heavily last week about well, mess, mainly about Pope not getting the chance to show that he could play out from the back because of the team that he's in, and Henderson kind of doing it because of the team that he's in, so it would make the logical choice to pick. Um, Henderson, yeah. So to see Pope, like I don't criticise Pope as, like I say, he's a good keeper. But if you're, I don't know, if you're almost wanting to dominate possession, most teams don't dominate possession by lumping it forward from your goalkeeper, do they? That's 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 not the way football's gone. No one's. I think that's what Sean Dyche is doing and go. That's going to revolutionise football, have they? So. Well, the I think that um, I think it was it Lee Dixon who was who was commentating who co-commentating. He, he talked about that. Obviously, Pope was work. They were working on that. Or I even saw Sean Dice might mentioned that that they were working on that. But surely Burnley aren't working on playing out from the back. There's no way that Burnley surely are doing that. I mean, from Burnley's game plan, he's it, it, not playing out the back. So I think I don't... Is, you can't really work on it, can you? Because it doesn't matter about what you do in training when there's no pressure. Yeah, you know, I think every goalkeeper in the Premier League, I imagine, in training is quite comfortable to, you know, join in with the five aside and play out from the back or whatever. But the reality is, what you need to do is regularly find yourself in a, in top level Premier League games, forced into that situation and still having the confidence to play out from the back yeah. from there. And that just isn't going to happen with Burnley, is it? You know, they are going to look to him to look to lump the ball up to up to their uh, to whoever they've got up front. I think, so the I, think, thing, I think the trouble is, is he's not going to do it in game time at Burnley, is he? No. I think the one thing I was a bit shocked about is that he didn't pick Henderson at least once. 
I think if it had been two games, I know he's, I know he might be going, well, actually, if Pickford doesn't recover or if Pickford isn't the number one at the minute and he's going to go with Pope, then Pope needs as much time as he can get with playing behind Stones and, and, and Maguire, who look like they're obviously going to be um, first choice in the, in, in the summer. Um, but, I, I mean, even... Because the San Marino game was probably the game I thought, well, he might pick Henderson here because it, it's ultimately going to be San Marino. And, I mean, he's probably not he's, he's probably not going to end up doing all that much. But he didn't... Just the fact that he didn't pick him at all, I just thought it was a bit strange. And, like, normally, normally any, any squad, any England squad previously before playing three games in such short succession, when they're all qualifiers as well, would have normally been a, a kind of a banker for, uh, for one of the um, defenders, to, one of the other keepers to play, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, one thing that he, uh, he did go with in all three games, I think even in the San Marino game, was two holding midfielders as well. Um, so um, it was Declan Rice and... Um, Phillips. Yeah. So... I mean, I mean, well, I think, I think this is. I mean, I'm trying to think back as to what he did pre the World Cup. Did he play in three at the back pre World Cup, or was it something that came about in the World Cup? I, mean, I can't. I can't. No, I think he had been playing yeah, three at the back I, in the I kind of lead up to it. Well, yeah. So it, it would kind of indicate that this is kind of the way he's going to go, isn't it? Four-two-three-one, which most of the top Premier League teams play. So it's not unfamiliar to them. Um, but yeah, the two holding midfielders. I mean, look, I'm not against. I mean, I know you always go, "Oh, it's San Marino, and you don't need the two holding midfielders," or it's Albania, you don't need the two holding midfielders, which you probably don't. But uh, I also think, like, if you're going to play a system, you probably just need to play the system and get used to. Like, you're not suddenly going to change everything based on. So it's probably better that you get used to playing this way, and that's what happens. That. I mean, there's nothing. I think there's nothing wrong with this system. I think it suits, kind of suits the players that we've got, really, doesn't it? So, yeah. And I remember when Hodgson was in charge, it'd be quite common in like in sort of World Cup qualifiers and friendly in sort of matches like those ones when you're playing against like San Marino. He'd sometimes he'd play like a diamond with Jack Wiltshire at the base of it, and you know, and it, it, you know, and the kind of basically on basis on the reason of we're playing San Marino, we're going to have the ball all match. You, we don't need any holding midfielders. And that is all well and good, but it doesn't prepare you for what... But Gareth Southgate will ultimately be judged on what happens in knockout matches in major tournaments. And you're not going to go into a World Cup quarterfinal against the likes of Germany and play Jack Wilson on his own as a holding midfielder, are you? So you might as well just get used to... And I think someone like Declan Rice has really come along as an England player, actually. I remember when he made his England debut, there was a lot of hype about him. He actually didn't look that good. And now he looks like someone who is at home in England's midfield. Yeah, no, I agree. And he's also, going back to you, Jack Wilshire at the base of a diamond kind of thing because we're going to have the ball. There's also, that doesn't then, you're not going to go into, into the actual World Cup and then suddenly switch to, not that you're going to play San Marino, but you're never going to have a situation where you're going to have that type of player at the base of a diamond, are you? In the yeah. World Cup game, you're always going to go with a similar system. So you need to get the likes of Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips used to playing in that system and having to step up with the ball and actually be some kind of playmaker and picking these passes off. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, no, I don't think any other country in the world actually changes. Germany don't do it, do they? In Spain, when they were at the pomp, don't they? They don't suddenly change what every team going. They pick the best team, basically, all the time and then play that. They might have a few here and there around it, but 
when Spain were great, Xavi and Iniesta never got said, right, we're going to change what you're doing just in case. They just said, this is the way we're going to play and do it. So it almost needs to be a bit of that. Which, yeah, I don't mind that, really. So just kind of, yeah. just, just go on, Simon. Sorry, so what were you going to say? Well, no, 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 you go. I was going to change subjects. I was just going to say, so with that kind of in mind, that wherever it will be, whether it's um, Rice, and uh, Rice looks like a, a, an absolute certainty that he's going to play, um, and whether it's, I don't know, Henderson and Phillips, or whether it's Rice and Henderson, or Hen- Phillips and Rice, or whoever it may be, those those two out of those three seems to be that that's pretty much going to be the case, um, assuming that obviously Henderson's fit and he decides to pick him. Um, so then in front, you uh, it looks like Mason Mount has kind of got that position down, the, the, um, how well he's played for, for Chelsea in the kind of the last month, how well he played for, um, for England against Poland. Then that kind of leaves a bit of the conundrum with what, so the front three, so you... you Sterling and Kane almost pick themselves, but then you've almost got one one position then either on the left hand side for either a, a Rashford, a Foden, Grealish, and the, one of the one of those Sancho. players, Sancho. So some of them, one of them players is going to miss out. And I know that's a very that's a great, it's a really good place for England to be in. But I mean, I don't know. Today, just... still like and Sterling does start, but how good has Sterling been this season? Like he's not. He's not scoring left, right, and centre like he has done in previous seasons. Where you spoke about how good he is. I'm not... Well, Gundogan scored. I think Gundogan's got twelve goals. Yeah, I, mean, I know he might be. Taking... This is what I'm saying. Like I know Sterling's always like he's a he's a good player, but would you say like you know you, you mentioned out of that City team who gets more who gets spoke about more Foden or Sterling these days? It's probably Foden, isn't it? Jack Grealish gets mentioned about what he's doing creatively more than Sterling. I I, I don't know if Sterling's. The nailed on start of it. Yes, I think he gets picked because he's he's been there and done it, and he's he's at an age where he probably deserves to. Like I say, Rashford, Rashford's not he's not been he's done all right this season, but I wouldn't say he's been like pulling up trees and been absolutely amazing. I, I think it's quite. I mean, he probably still probably will get picked, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it should be nailed for Sterling to be a definite star. I always feel like Sterling is a real confidence player. And when he's confident and he's playing well, I mean, he, he looks like one of the best players in the world, but he does sometimes lose confidence. And it's happened a few... I think it's happened for England in major tournaments before where he's suddenly out of, out of form, really lost confidence. He almost... He has this look of like... He's sort of petrified to end up in a situation where he has a chance. Um, and But they kind of stick with him because he's sterling and you know you know he's so good across the course of a season but when he's out of form he's not someone that just sort of snaps back into yeah form. i what it's worth, i think he'll definitely obviously he'll play kane i think sterling is pretty much nailed on the start uh from that left hand side and i think on the right hand side they'll it, it, i'd be shocked if it's not mason mount i think the one of the things that did come out of this international break was southgate does really like mason mount and he's one of those guys who i think if you ask most most football fans to name their front three for England, not many would include Mason Mount. But I think I think Southgate will. I, you know, Tuchel, Lampard, they all just seem to pick Mason Mount, and you know whatever they see in training. And you know he is a good player. I think he probably gets wrongly wrongly lampooned a little bit as a bit of a teacher's pet. But I I I see England starting with Mason Mount if everybody. So fit. if you. Just a question then. Who would you say will be the three key players for England going forward into the 
Well, the Euros coming up. So who would you say we need to have them on the pitch? What, in those, in, in, in playing in front in that front? No, three, no, no, in, in, in the whole things. team, in the whole team. So the Euros are starting. Three key players that you think, if we're going to have a chance, we need them. We need them to be playing well. Is well, this, I, is, is for this me, follow- go on. Does it follow on from a comment that was on the telly either last night or the night before? With the Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher? Yeah. yeah. Oh, who did they say? Well, I'll, shall I say <laughs> yeah, I'll go, say on. go on then, you see her. Well, uh, but what I was the, the two that come to mind straight away for me, Harry Kane is, you know, Harry Kane banging them in for England is essential for us to do well in a major tournament. And I think Harry Maguire to be having a really good month will be really useful for England in terms of, you know, having a leader at the back, him alongside, probably alongside Stones as it stands, I think would be crucial. And then one more. Well, well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Sterling to play well. You know, either Sterling, you know, one of those other attackers to play well. I think you kind of know what you're going to get from Henderson and Rice in midfield. So just like another midfielder to be playing really well. So go on, Cheese. Explain the spat. Yeah, I, th- I, I think those. Well, and well, I can't. I can't. I've, I've, I've only, I've not watched it very often. But when you met, when you, when you said that question, it, it kind of pricked up my mind about that. So I think what basically Neville had said that Harry, that England would lose more if Harry Maguire was injured than they would do if Harry Kane was injured. Is that right? Yeah, basically that you basically say that Harry Maguire is more, more, more is more integral, integral to more the integral team. To the team, based on the fact that for England to play the way they want to play, they need Harry Maguire in that back line. Whereas if England play they want to play and yes Harry Kane's a very good player but there are lots of options that could do a similar role to Harry Kane was basically Neville's but, argument but then but then I think and I, I don't I don't think it was Carragher that, that mentioned it but I, I think I think somebody else had said um about the drop so if Kane isn't there the drop-off then is huge but I thought I don't I, I thought the drop-off I don't think the drop-off is as huge as it has been especially with Calvert Lewin, I think I, I think maybe last season you probably could have said that if the Euros were going into last season. I know Calvert Lewin had a decent enough season last season, but the way he kind of started this season, I know he's been injured. But I, th- I think Maguire. I think I think the one thing that, from a, a central defensive point of view, is that um, the only. I mean, who are who are England's other centre halves? You've probably got Eric Dyer, Tyrone Mings, uh, Tyrone Mings, um, and yeah, for the, for however long for. Playing in a back three, or but playing in a if they need to go to a back four, um, and relying on Mings in a I don't know a quarter final of a of a of a, of a championship or even a semi final or even a final of a, of a championship would would be incredibly difficult. I think what's probably made it probably a little bit worse as well is that um, there's obviously no Joe, Joe Gomez because before John Stones had, had had this wonderful season, Gomez was pretty much playing in in John Stones's place. So there isn't really. Um, kind of a, a top four English defender um, that's that that is available if one of those two get injured. So I don't know. I think I, I think it, I think it's right. I think with the Maguire situation, I think Maguire is is, is probably more integral to play to play than probably Harry Kane is. I think England could muddle by with um, with either a Rashford or a Calvert Lewin, play slightly differently, 
Um, my only my only other concern about this, and we were and, and Carragher and Neville talked about it about having not having the ball. Every one player, Belgium or Spain, not having the ball. So it's England. I, so I couldn't figure out if England's attack against these these teams would just be the fact that we would just play. We just have to soak up pressure and hit hit teams on the counter attack. So that I, I I just thought we must have better players, surely. Yeah, to be able to say, well, actually, we're going to re- we're going to we're going to resort to playing three at the back, two holding midfielders. The wing backs will be the attackers, and then the the the, the front three or well, I think, four. I, that's, that's it. That's all we've got. I think what you've got with this the England team, the England setup at the minute. I think you've got kind of with the amount of attacking talent and creative midfielders like your Grealishers, your Foden's, your Sterling's, your Mounts. You, do we not even mention James Madison either? Who could quite easily been picked as well. Yeah. Or Jesse um, Lingard. Or Jesse Lingard. Jesse Messer. Lingard. Um I think you've got two ways. I think you've got you've got almost enough creativity that if you do dominate the ball then you are going to create things and with the teams on the back foot. But then with the two holding, if you do go with Rice and Henderson or Calvin Phillips and the, the four central defend the four defenders you could probably soak up enough and there's enough pace on the counter to actually threaten him behind. So, I mean, I can't see us... I can I can see us being in a game where a team has 60% possession and we have 40, but I can't see it being like we're absolutely out of the game every single time. I think we will manage to keep hold of the ball based on the amount of talent that we've got and the amount of players that are comfortable receiving the ball with a back-to-goal and holding it up and keeping it. So, I don't think we'll be in that kind of... Like you say... But, Almost what United were guilty of pre-Fernandez when it, we had to be, we had to be on the back foot and playing on the counter all the time with with, with a long ball in behind. I think we've got enough not to do that. Really, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that England are, the, are obviously the best team in the world and we should dominate every game because there are going to be games where obviously other teams play better and and other uh, and there are better teams out there than England at the minute. Granted, there's not very many. But I just didn't see the whole. I I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens because I I mean I don't. I don't necessarily. I didn't necessarily regard when we played Croatia. All right, Croatia. You could probably say had better players in certain positions than Modric, um, but I wouldn't have necessarily said that they were a better team than England when we played them. And, and that, we, we are in a group with Scotland, so yeah. Well, the the other big news now you've mentioned the fixtures going forward into the Euros is there could be twenty two and a half thousand people in Wembley come that game. Have you heard this? Yeah. We've well, talked about Carabao Cup's going to be a. Is it going to? Is that going to be one of the pilot things? Is that is that ten thousand, and then obviously it will rise as we go further and further out of the stages or wherever we're in. Well, UEFA, whoever runs the European Championship, they because they they're still it, it's sort of amazing me this is this hasn't been sorted yet. Well, but they're still going ahead with this. But the the plan is still to hold the Euro, Euros. Across all the stadiums across Europe in the sort of twelve different destinations, and this week they did have to sort of commit these twelve stadiums to maybe having some fans. And I, I think that the, the country that is most on the fence about it is Ireland and uh, the Aviva Stadium in Dublin, where England, I think, in theory, play a last sixteen match. So I think there is talk that if. If Ireland were to say no, we actually we won't be won't be in a position where we'll be allowed to have fans in, then they may well lose that match, and that could also go to Wembley. I think there's oh that could have to go to Wembley. I think basically that that Aviva Stadium is down to host four matches, 
And I think Spurs' stadium is in line to get these matches if if they can't do it. So I think England could play another match in, in London en route to, obviously, we, we're going to win it. So, All of England's group games aren't at Wembley, are they? Do we play Scotland yeah. at Hampden Park? No, no, I think we play yeah, Scotland at, at, at Wembley, don't we? Oh. Yeah, they're all at Wembley. We've practically got seven games at home then, haven't we? Yeah, so they're all, I think our three group games are at home, uh, at Wembley. And then, in theory, we'd end up uh, and we're in different stadiums in the quarter, in the last sixteen and the last eight, and then the, the two semi-finals and final are both at Wembley as well, which we obviously we will be in. Obviously. Of course, you've been listening to uh, Three Lines a bit too early, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? What what was I was going to say? Well, the other the, the other big controversy you touched on it earlier, cheesy was the man that didn't play, and that was uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, Liverpool superstar right back, uh, the second best young player in the Premier League last season, according to some. Um, <laughs> not in that top not in that top, in, the, in the top five or top six, I can't remember. <laughs> not selected. In the England squad, what did you think of that? Um, I thought it was—I thought it was a bit strange. I think you can kind of see—you can kind of see the rationale of why he wasn't picked. I'm not like, oh, it's Southgate needs to—he needs—he needs to have picked him. I think the way that Liverpool plays not necessarily the way that the England play. I mean, I for me, he's one of the one of the greatest right backs. Well, not one of the greatest right backs. He's one of the greatest right backs around at the minute. Um, I thought you were going to go of all time then. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I thought Gary Neville surely had of him. He's only he's only twenty two, um, but I, I do think he is. I do I do think for the role that he does for Liverpool, and that is obviously more attacking than it is, that is defending. I don't necessarily think that his defending is probably whew, any better or any worse than probably what it has been before. I think this season's highlighted his his defensive threat is more because of the situation that we've had at um, at centre half where. Normally he plays next to Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez and Van Dijk play together at the back. Normally can deal with most, if not all, of the problems that that happen. Play two v two or two v one or whatever it is that, that um, however it is that Liverpool are playing with the centre halves. But this year he's having to run back more. He's out of position more because he's obviously trying to still go forward as well and still create and still be a part of that Liverpool attacking um, intent. So I think it's just highlighted it probably more. He's he, he's never going to probably be the same player playing next to, to Nat Phillips as he is going to be playing next to Joe Gomez. It, with 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 all due respect to, to Nat Phillips, so he's kind of put him in a little bit of a, a a bit of a quandary really. And Liverpool haven't had a, look. I don't need to tell you Liverpool haven't had a great season anyway. Chelsea have done quite well. Rich James has had a much better season um, than probably Trent has. I would probably say. Um, and then he's obviously got loyalty. Kieran Trippier was brought up. Um, He's obviously, Kieran Trippier obviously was very influential in the last um, tournament that uh, that England played. Both of those players are much better defenders than, than Trent is. I don't think Trent will ever be. I mean, he grew up playing in midfield. He's never going to be um, a Gary Neville at right back. That just isn't what his game is. Um, but I mean, I wasn't I wasn't upset that he was left out. I thought playing three games in in in, in, a, in two weeks. I thought he, the, I thought having a rest would, would do him the world of good from a Liverpool point of view. Um, but I'd be upset if he didn't go at all um, in um, um, in in the summer, um, purely because if it if it if it is potentially a change that needs to be made or we do need a goal, 
then the he can he can create chances. He can get balls into the box. But it's it's whether Southgate trusts him um, uh, on the defensive side of it, and well, if he doesn't trust him there. And that's that. that it's pretty much nailed on that. I, I don't think he will. I don't think he'll go. Well, you mentioned the defensive side of his game, Cheezer, and uh, he showed his ability last uh, against Real Madrid, didn't he? Yeah, I think the week. I think the last week has shown the complete the two sides to, to the Arsenal game. He was involved in all three goals. Um, a wonderful cross for the first goal. Um, I think he intercepted. I think he cut one of the balls out in halfway in Arsenal's half for the third goal, um, and then he laid a little pass off to Fabinho who hiked it over the top for the second one at Arsenal. So he's involved in all three goals there. Didn't really have an awful lot of defending to do. And then Real Madrid, probably the first team I've seen really put our defence under pressure um, for um, for at least, well, for a good couple of games um, and just made a mistake. Story of the Liverpool season, just mistakes at the back. Um, Costos um, and then Trent obviously made one of them and I, I, I don't necessarily think that he will he'll ever be I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be error free but he's obviously had, he's obviously had more interactions trying to defend this year um, and ultimately yeah, he made a decision went to head the ball back to Alisson miscued it and hit it straight to Asensio and he chipped it over Alisson and it was and it was 2-0 so it's a bit of a dire 10 minutes yesterday um, but yeah I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't think if Southgate trusts him, I don't think he's got much. I don't think he's got much hope for the summer. I mean, I, I love him. I think he plays really well for Liverpool. There's always going to be that. Um, he's, he isn't as good a defender as, as, as Robertson. Um, but Liverpool's game isn't based on having a really solid back four. It's based on that the central defenders are really good and the wing backs play in. Henderson fills in at right back. Wijnaldum fills in at left back. When um, when Robertson goes forward, that's how Liverpool play. Trent's game really too much isn't relied on defending. Although I don't think he's the worst defender in the world. He has had really good games where he's played against Sterling uh, for City. So in really tough games, I mean, like Liverpool, it's not like we haven't got to the Champions League final. So he's still been playing in that team. So we've still played against good teams. He's played PSG, he's been up against Neymar. So there's games where he will, he will defend well. He will have good um, when he's concentrating on when he potentially has, has, has got somebody at the side of him telling him kind of where to go, what to do. But he will probably always have an error in him because of um, a because of how young he is. He's still only twenty two, um, and just because of how he plays. If he was in, a, if he was in a right back, a conventional right back position all the time. I would expect him to be a better defender, probably a bit stronger, a bit more powerful. But that ultimately isn't his game. So I, whether he, I'd be upset if he doesn't go. But if that's the way that Southgate wants to play, we've talked more than enough times that England in the past have played players in. Um, I've tried to get the best players in the team. It's not worked, and England have come up short in, in, in tournaments. And maybe it's unfortunate for Trent that this is the this is the case where the manager in charge wants to play a certain way. That's not the way that Liverpool play or the way that Trent plays, and ultimately that will end up costing him. So, what do you think, Simon? I, I mean, I'd have him in my squad definitely. I, I don't know. If, I, I. I don't know if it's one of those situations where a lot ended up being made of this. Partly because, I mean, you know, we're a classic situation where, you know, you're trying to fill a podcast. This is an obvious talking point. I think it does feel like... We don't Trent need Simon. We don't need filler. Oh, no, well, yeah, we're all filler. But <laughs> we, I do feel a bit like Trent has played pretty much relentlessly for about 18 months now. Actually, two weeks off 
and a bit of a kick up the backside probably isn't like a bit. Yeah, you know, I think people have kind of read into this. Oh, Southgate's completely given up on him. There's no chance of him going. And it, I think I wouldn't surprise me if he's in that squad. And you know, if if Southgate just took the view that maybe he does need just a little reminder that he's not guaranteed a place. And I think the right. I mean, one of the ways football's really changed the last sort of ten, fifteen years is. Fullbacks are now like this key attacking position, and I could foresee a situation where we're going into the last half hour of the game, and you think actually what you want is to bring Trent Alexander Arnold on to play right back for in, instead of Kyle Walker because of the attacking threat he'll bring. Maybe I mean, he is more if you say, that scenario does arise. You're not you're not losing anything defensively. <laughs> no, but well, I mean, this is one of those things where. A bit like Mason Mount earlier, Southgate does really rate Kyle Walker, doesn't he? I think he's always sort of gone out of his way to find a place for Kyle Walker in the team. I, I personally, I'd take Trent Alexander Arnold. It is just bizarre that we've got such strength in depth in right at right back at the moment. So this sort of there's a chance he might not go. But where are you at with it, Ross? Um, I can't like. I I get what Cheesy's saying about the fact that like. When Liverpool were flying, that is like Alexander Arnold isn't expected to. He's not there for his defensive prowess. He is there for the what he can provide in the attacking sense, and that. But I also think that all depends on like a the way Liverpool play and the really high press and winning it high up the pitch and being able to do that. And I just don't see that England are going to do that. And having watched this season, and maybe having to see. And like you say, Cheese, he's still only 22, so he's still, he is still learning. He, that, the defensive side of the game isn't there for when he needs to be set in a back four and then maybe go out to a winger and really, really ha- like having him on one on one and not allowed the crosses to get in. He seems to get beat quite easily. Bo? Hello? I'm sure. I'm sure Ross will be back with us. What is, what was the, Hello. What, yeah, you back. <laughs> couldn't tell if I'd got. What was the last I'd lost connection? Are you guys? Um. Basically, that he's improving. Oh. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> gone for his back. Well, I back. do actually agree with what Ross is saying. I think. I think he probably will improve. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. I think he's someone who obviously works hard. It wouldn't surprise me if he has a sort of a bit of a sudden uptake in his game. And, you know, it's not like it's not like he's like refusing to defend, is he? I think he's probably just Yeah, not I think, that I, think I think the other thing as well is that if you if you ultimately if we started if we played if we played a World Cup final tomorrow and he was at right back, he wouldn't be playing right back with Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak. He'd be playing right back with John Stones and Harry Maguire. Now, Stones isn't. I'm not saying that Stones is is, is the the best defender in the world or the worst defender in the world, but he will need some sort of help and support. And I believe that Alexander Arnold will be able to deliver that. The other option is is that Trent doesn't play wing back. So um, if uh, he could, there's been times before where Southgate's played Walker as the as the as the third right centre half, and he could play Trippier as well, who who is more accustomed to playing. Um, whereas I don't necessarily think that he would ever play Walker. And Trent Alexander Arnold, and I think Reese James has played um, right wing back as well. So those three players are, are a bit more adaptable. Not that I'm saying I don't think Trent could play it, but if he's never played it for his club, then why on earth would would um, Southgate then decide that he could play right wing back for England when he's never played that position for 
for his club. So I, I, I don't know. I was just saying, Ross, but that I, although Alexander Arnold's had, had a tough season playing for um, Liverpool next to Phillips and, and Kavak, if he were to if he were to start a World Cup final tomorrow, he'd be playing with John Stones and Harry Maguire. He wouldn't necessarily be playing with he'd be playing with much better yeah, defenders. Yeah, no, than I agree. This is part got. of what I was saying before. Like, but I agree with that that he he would be playing with better defenders and someone that you could potentially rely on a bit more. But I also wouldn't say that not that the same Van Dyke and whoever are such out of Harry Maguire's class and John Stones' class. But Harry Maguire has proven this season he needs a quick centre half around him. He needs someone more. So yeah, if Alexander Arnold yeah. isn't going to provide defensive cover on the right hand side that maybe Maguire needs, and or the other, then you, you kind of compensate. And that, like we said, Harry Maguire is quite important to the way. So you kind of fit in around other people, aren't you? So I just think, in like in a, in a few years' time, yeah, you'd probably go Alexander Arnold when his defensive game steps up a bit, and maybe this season having to actually defend properly, like and work in a in a back four properly, it probably will help him in the long run. But at the minute, I just I just think for England, the team chances a Reese James or a Wambasaka just to keep things solid and not concede would probably be a better option than Alexander Arnold at the minute. So, absolutely. So then, after so uh, just let's move it on then to Liverpool. Then obviously three one down after the first leg. Do you reckon you've got a chance in the second leg or not? Uh, highly unlikely. Um, I think that uh, before the game, obviously Madrid were uh, Madrid are on quite a good run at the minute, but obviously they 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 were playing without their first choice centre half. Um, uh, Rafa Varane, obviously, with he, um, tested positive for COVID, I think the day before the game. Um, but their midfield, their experience in the midfield was was just um, that we just couldn't get the ball off them. Uh, Modric and Kroos and Casemiro just just passed the ball around us. Uh, obviously, Kroos. Uh, Crosby's ball over the top was the reason for the first goal. Benzema occupied the the centre halves. Real Madrid could quite easily have played. Uh, Arsenal could have quite easily have played the way that Real Madrid played. They were set up exactly the same. But the, when the team isn't as good as obviously as Arsenal was the case, um, Liverpool obviously excelled. And obviously, when the, Real Madrid were just a better team than us last night, the first half didn't work. I mean, who would have thought that um, we'd have been crying out for Thiago at halftime? But Thiago came on, made a difference. The navigator experiment thing didn't work. Um, and it was then it cost us um, goals. And I, I mean, last year you'd have probably said fans in the ground, we've probably got a chance. I think we'd have to score after before we'd have to score after probably about ten minutes. And I think we scored once in the first half in the last uh, fifteen games. So um, I, I can't really see. I'm not after this season. I'm not really hopeful that we'll get through. So it will be what it will be. What it will be. It looks like Chelsea will be playing Madrid in the. In the semi-finals of the of the European Cup, so, so Simon, move, moving on to the big European trophy. Can I just throw, no. throw in another thing? Wait, I, I would say, except it's not the most important thing, but because Real Madrid were they playing? They were playing yeah. their training ground, weren't they? Yeah. So the done up. I don't know how much doing up it needs that they can't play on the pitch, but um, yeah, they were they weren't playing at the because I, I exactly thought the same thing. I was like that that those seats this Bernabeu doesn't look so grand when there's no fans in it. <laughs> yeah. And then it was only like 15, 10, 15 minutes in when they said, "Oh, it's they're not playing at the Bernabeu; they're playing the back somewhere else." I I was I don't why don't more teams do that? It sort of feels like a bit of a waste to sort of have to open up Old Trafford when you even not going to have oh, anybody. What, in. So you, you want, want United to start playing at the cliff? 
Well, yeah, well, that'd be that'd be my first choice, yeah. <laughs> but I would accept, you know, Carrington or you know, wherever the under twenty threes play. You know, Manchester City have, stadium, have that um the, the sort of yeah. 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 And I mean especially I when City's is teams haven't done that over a bridge. Like it's not far away, is it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to the bigger European trophy, and I'm talking literally in size here. Um, United play tonight, <laughs> 2 0 against Granada. Um, you think that sees us through, Simon? Yeah, I think it will. Granada had a look of a team that were really delighted to have reached that stage of the Europa League and have a big day out against Manchester United. Um, their star striker was Roberto Soldado, who was rubbish at Spurs five years ago. So, I, yeah, I think it was, it was a nice draw to get at this stage of a major European. Yeah, I mean, I there was a couple. I mean, just looking forward as well. I don't know what the yellow card situation is, but I think a couple of United players picked up a booking that sees them ruled out. Short, yeah, yeah, which I don't know why. I don't know when the other cards get binned off and they start to scratch. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise if it, if moving forward they've been banned for what could be potentially a dead rubber. Um, yeah, so. I had a similar thought actually. But yeah, it's a maybe handy, handy game for them to miss. Two nil on the way goals. You really can play to your strength. Granada would have to come out if you want to actually do anything, which kind of suits United with the pace and behind. So. Yeah, quite a nice, nice night, really. Nice, easy, comfortable night. Um, anything else from United? Like, for me, are you still surprised by the lack of game time Ala Diallo is getting? Um, no, I, th- I think he, I think he is sort of really young. He has only just arrived. I can sort of see, um, and I can sign, kind of see how. In match, he's sort of almost like looking to bring him on when you're 3-0 up, isn't he? And, and kind of give him game time like that. And we haven't been 3-0 up that often with 20 minutes to go. And, you know, I think a lot of games we've been, it has been quite tight or whatever. So, yeah, I can see how he's still trying to ease him in and not trying to put too much pressure on him. Yeah. Then, look. And I sort of feel like in a lot of games, I think United's, United's plan basically seems to be Ideally, we'll play on the counter-attack. If the other team's sitting in, then we don't really have a plan beyond let's just wait and see if one of our big players does something special. And invariably, Fernandez or Pogba or Rashford or Cavani will do something special. So even when they're not playing very well, I think Oli sort of wants to leave them on the pitch just because on the off chance they'll do something magical Uh, at some point. The other thing which we've debated recently is the goalkeeper situation which we debated about England but um, Henderson started the Premier League game at the weekend and then De Gea started the Europa League game now in the past the the keeper that started the Europa League game has tended to be seen as the number two do you think that is now the case? Yeah I think it looks to me like like Henderson is currently the, the, the man in possession and you sort of feel that, that he's sort of got it it's almost his until he makes a mistake. Uh, I think How do you now, see it? We are seeing the change of the guard now. I think. I think this is. Um, I think Henderson's. If he if he starts every Premier League game between now and the end of the season, that is a nailed on sign that he is United's number one. And I, 
apart from the extortionate amount of wages that De Gea is getting from Manchester United, I don't understand what De Gea gets out of staying at United to not be with his girlfriend who's just had a baby who lives in Spain. I, I just think there's too many things that now push De Gea out of, out of Old Trafford towards Spain to go and enjoy the rest of his career in, in the sunshine, basically. Yeah, and I, I hope there's sort of a, a club that'll take him that he wants to go to. And yeah, I, I you know I wish De Gea well. He's been a great servant of Manchester United. And, yeah, and it, almost like I think I think him having a child almost not helps United, but I think in terms of because in the past with his his massive wages that he was on, why would he ever leave? You know, you get to that point like why would he ever leave somewhere to go? Like he he's, he has done a lot in terms of Manchester United. Like his reputation is there. So he could move on to another club whenever he wanted. So why wouldn't he see out his contract? But I think the fact he's had his kid and maybe wanting to be around him could help in terms of him accepting lower wages and moving to a, to a different club, really. So it could be a blessing in disguise in terms of United's wage structure getting back to some kind of normality from what it was in the past as well. Yeah, 100%. And then at the weekend, um, United going to the new Jose home ground. Well, can we just... I mean, I think we should. But when is Mourinho going to get sacked? Because, I mean, the same coach, different players, soundbite that came out from the weekend is not a good one, is it? I really hope he doesn't get sacked. I'm loving the idea that Spurs can't afford to sack him. And we've just got to carry on seeing what happens. (laughs) So beyond the point where he he nearly always gets sacked. What happens if they just can't sack him and he just has to carry on getting angrier and angrier and blaming the players more and more? And like, how well, do you think, do you, like if you're Daniel Lee there, do you think if you win the League Cup that then you do you think he feels justified in terms of bringing Mourinho in? Well, I don't know, but I mean, it, it's a massive fail. Having to sack him will be a massive failure for Daniel Lee because it was very much. Daniel Levy was very clear, sort of sort of keen to kind of own the decision of, of appointing Mourinho. Of oh, I'm I'm appointing I mean, a winner. So so he is going to look all the when he eventually has to sack him. Where do they actually go from Mourinho? Because it's not like Pochettino; they got the young up and coming, and then they seem to go completely the other way with what he's. The, the the wily old master of how to how to the, the winner the serial winner as he's labelled what what angle dispersed Spurs take next if they do sack Mourinho it's, I don't well there is I mean apart from Eddie Howe being still out of a con like there's no real there's Nagelsmann but Nagelsmann wants it. well I I think I think they will I think they'll try and identify the next Pochettino, try and identify the next young up-and-coming manager and hope that they get the right so man, whoever that is. just raise our hands again. Well, yeah, possibly. Would they, I don't know, could they get Nagelsmann? I don't, I don't know. But uh, I, th- I think that's the, the route they'll, they'll try and go down. But, um, but, I mean, it'd be interesting to go. And, and it'll be interesting to see it, how bad a situation it is in terms of how appealing a job it is to go to Spurs, if I mean, you know, they've just finished tenth, and Kane's based on the, the, the door. Two to all against Newcastle at the weekend. There isn't 
it hasn't been that much of a better time to actually play Spurs, has there? Well, I mean, it's frustrating that we played them when they were playing well at the start of the season, wasn't it? And lost six two yeah. or that, that mad. I, I just, I mean, especially if if United win and win comfortably, relatively, even more pressure gets put on Mourinho. When's the League Cup final? It can't be far off, can it? You've got to think that he's literally just in a job until that game, and if he loses that, you've got to think he's gone, haven't you? But we'll see. Is there anything else on United? I don't think there's much gone on, has there, really? It's been quite quiet. No. Quiet week for them. And then the return legs of the European games is next week. Is that it's not like some? It's not like it's been released. Where it's three weeks until the, the second legs. Both games of both games are next week. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. As, as you'll find out next season, Cheese, they, they do <laughs> smash through these Europa League games. Then. Yeah, well, it's like if you beat, um, I, I was, I, funnily enough, it, they, they always say it's the hope that kills you. So I actually I actually ventured to look at some of the fixtures of, of some of the teams above us um, and going to, towards the back end of the season. I think Leicester's last, Leicester's last three games are Manchester City, Chelsea and Tottenham. I mean, obviously, Tottenham by the wayside by then, but I, I could still be hoping and praying that they, they might be able to get into the top four. I think Everton play Manchester City on the last game of the season. I think our, our toughest—I mean, our toughest game could be could be Sheffield United at the minute. But of the teams that are around us, we play you on the first of May. Um, I think Spurs have got a couple more games. I think West Ham play quite a lot of teams in and around us. So I, I, I mean, it's one of those things. Whoever takes points off everybody else, if everybody wins their games, then. They'll likely, um, they'll likely stay there. It was just um, Leicester have had a few slip ups recently, and I just think if they end up doing what, if they end up getting on a roll like they did at the end of last season, then they've got three quite tough games to finish. Um, especially having to play um, uh, some of the teams that they've got to play. Oh, I think they've got to play you actually. I think they've got to play United. Just play, City, you know? why you, got to play. Why you're uh, on? Uh, who could finish in the fourth spot? Obviously, West Ham are there now. Looking forward for West Ham, we haven't said we're going to talk about this, but do you think it's better for West Ham's development if they don't finish in the Champions League than if they do? No, this is your chance to yeah, get but in the and Champions do you think, League, isn't it? Do you, you not think that they could, you mean, you that, uh, they could kill their domestic season? They could really languish. Yeah, but then... Yeah. The languishing 10th, 11th, 12th, and then the back where they were two seasons ago. But they kill it more in the Europa. No, but I, I think I think get get into the Champions League or don't get into the Champions League this season. They'll be languishing tenth or twelfth next year. I, I don't think this is like the start of West Ham becoming the next Manchester City, is it? I think it's it's just now or never. You would think that probably Declan Rice, if doesn't if he doesn't go this season, will probably go maybe this season after. Well, I mean, all right, I'm saying that that might happen, but obviously it might not happen at the same time. The more time, I've watched, the more I've watched Rice, the more I've thought. United should sign him. I didn't think that last season, but I think United should go for him. And then does somebody does somebody take a, a chance on Suchek and take him out of there? Lingard will probably end up. Is Lingard going to go back to Manchester United? This obviously that's the story that's been around. That he's, obviously that United will be looking to take him back after his. This is really done. annoying me because I think lots of United fans go, "Why do we ever let Lingard go out on loan?" Because look how great he is. Or the ones I. Are on my friends list on Facebook and blah blah blah. But I just think 
if you watch Jesse Lingard when he was playing for Manchester United, like sometimes it just doesn't work, does it? Like some some players are great elsewhere and will never be great at your club. But it, that just happens sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, ask, ask Chelsea. Is he, is he playing as an out and out you number are. nine? Is he playing as an out and out number nine? No, Antonio is. Yeah. No, no, they play Antonio up front and then he plays in that sort of 10 role. Which uh, but he's never going to get in ahead of play. Fernandez. <laughs> so he's not, it's not going to happen. He's going to be a bit part player again. So I just think, I mean, not cut your losses, but get your profit on him and then say cheerio. He can be as good as he wants for West Ham. I have no, I've no, no problems with Jesse Lingard going to West Ham and then taking points of other teams around us. That's absolutely fine with me. I just don't think... So if if West Ham offer us um, fifty million plus Declan Rice, I would, Lingard, yeah, take I would it, not would only you? take it, I would I would take it all forfeit our game <laughs> next season. <yeah. laughs> Speaking of forfeiting games, was, where, where's your uh, so where's your football so we season? Had a friendly you on playing? Sunday, uh, and, then, uh, and how many matches uh, did you play? We did didn't actually, which might have been for that, yeah, but no one was sensible enough in our squad to think about that. Uh, no, we had a friendly on Sunday and a friendly tonight. So the friendly on Sunday, because I hadn't turned up to the two training sessions pre that game, I started on the bench. Uh, and then we were, we were one. Look, look yeah, you got exactly. your fitness working so with that we walk, went, really. I mean, strange for us, we scored the first goal. Um, so a bit like Manchester United in that regard. We like to go behind and then that really gets us going. But straight, we went 1-0 up <laughs> at, on Sunday. And then after about half an hour, because it's friendly, so we're making subs. So then I came on at right back. And then, so there's 15 minutes left of the first half. And we got, went in uh, at half-time, 3-1 down. So I thought, yes, really contributed <laughs> but, and to what was going on. And then we ended up getting beat 4-2, I think, uh, Sunday. But then we played tonight, we won 3-2. And I, I, there was a. I came on at right back. I sat on the bench. Came up back at right back. And there was a point where I swear I had Cafu on my back. I, I swear I was that good at right back. I'd never played so well. I was up and down, putting crosses in, and then I got tired. <laughs> you're, you're the secret. You're the secret reason. Well, down. I mean, South. I did see someone stood watching tonight. Could have been Southgate. So yeah, so so we start. The league starts properly this 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 Sunday. Double header <laughs> against top of the league. I think I think there's a bit of danger that the win tonight uh, has maybe thrown up some overconfidence going into the weekend, but we shall find out on Sunday. Is it it's home away? away? Where, where's sure. the match at? Which I always like away games. You have to put the nets up. It's one one of the, one of the few benefits of playing away. So. How, how far away? How far away are you? Uh, away Forty here? minutes from my house, maybe. All oh, right, not. I mean, yeah, presumably that's what home game is for you, isn't it? Do you have any away games that are uh, actually closer to your house? No. And then it, next year, we're thinking about moving into a league that's even further away. So, yeah. I mean, the big news in Manchester Dynamos is I have uh, given up the captaincy. That's where we are at the minute. Oh, at all? Yeah. All that money invested in armor. That is the big thing. I've decided that uh, I'm not going to be captain anymore. 
That was my decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was brought up on Tuesday, maybe, or Wednesday, in the group that the captaincy would be up for grabs. And I was expecting to turn up tonight and people might really be like, oh, why are you not captain anymore? No one, no one said anything to me. So (laughs) don't don't know what that says, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what Sunday brings up. I can't say I'm particularly looking forward to a double header, but we'll go. We'll go for it. See where we are. Uh, and then Simon, are you any closer to um, putting on the whites again this summer? No, I, I didn't go to training yesterday because I I worked. Uh, I was working a late. But so. you were because it was snowing. <laughs> Well, there were quite a few, a few uh, soft bunny clips going around on social media of people playing cricket in the snow. But yeah, so I don't know where I'm at. Maybe I'll, I'll try and go to training next week. I think I'm not sure when the games actually start. I've forgotten, but I think they, they must There's be the a few weeks. But yeah, plays on a cricket team. And, uh, he said he went to training last night and he's he's pulled his peck, so he can't actually play. Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not pulled anything yet, so we're okay on that. Uh, oh, quickly, before we go, uh, big, big major sporting events happening this weekend, which we were never going to touch, but the Masters is currently happening. Um, none of us are golf fans until it gets to the last day of the Masters where you watch it and you pretend you know yeah. everything. And then the Grand National is this weekend as well. Is anyone going to have a bet? Well, way Grand National weekend. Yeah, I, yeah, I will do. Um, I'll pick a name. I, I mean, I kind of base it on a name that I think I like, and some of the you know, I, I, I try and stay clear of any like form. You know, what I'm going to do like this that. year. I think we're just going to one of the biggest outsiders. Yeah, well, like a, it's all look at the three hundred to one shot. I mean, at least it'll be actually a race this year instead of just a computer generated version like it was last year. Oh, Tommy Fleetwood just got a hole in one at the Masters. There you go. (laughs) You bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was just going to say, while we're on this, before we go, just while we're on the subject of betting, did you hear about that that guy had to go to court to get his 1.7 million? Uh, Yeah, I spoke to him on the phone. Oh, did you? Yeah. He told me it was uh, it wasn't going to change him, and he's still going to go down the res- reduced section of uh, supermarkets. Of course, well, I thought that because um, it was it two was it was it two years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. And he was obviously he was play, playing blackjack or something, and they said it was a software error. And that's it wasn't one of Kieran Trippier's mates, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe the odds were that high on Trent being left out of the squad, but there we go. <laughs> Someone called Arnold Alexander one big. <laughs> but anyway. Right. Um right fellas. Yeah, go on. We'll go. I just want to say I was gonna say we're going. It's yeah. been a pleasure. I'm gonna finish off my punk IPA that I have in the fridge and then see what happens in the morning. That's my plan. Done. You're gonna do it from I the back. Said, oh, in the back. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I might. You know what I found? You know what the best things are? Now I'm off school. 
And if I can do it properly, I mean, Claire's in the next room, so she might be able to hear it. But if I, if I can actually sneak in at midday back so I get some time away from the kids, that is, that's the dream. I've not done it this <laughs> week yet, but I've still got a week <laughs> next week to try and fit one in. So I'll report. Hey, You're off again next hey, week. I had a difficult, Gosh. I had a difficult five School weeks for the kids. Back. <laughs> you never break. <laughs> I mean, luckily, luckily it's only six weeks until the next one as well. So, <laughs> tell you, it's like a train when you go back full time when everyone's in. <laughs> right, <laughs> speak to everyone next week. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouts podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.